Welcome back to the Heal the Hurt podcast. As part of my commitment to bring you the most effective knowledge, skills, and tools to become the greatest version of yourself today, I want to talk about neurofeedback, something I've neglected, and I'm going to change that today. And to do that, I'm going to bring in, obviously, my great friend and mentor and teacher, Mike Pinkston. Mike, for nearly 40 years, has been helping others heal from complex emotional, physical, and sexual trauma and abuse. He's also an expert in diagnosing and treating PTSD, dissociative orders, as in things like multiple personalities. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sex addiction, love addiction, love avoidance, and codependence. He's also an expert in parenting and marriage and family structures and dynamics. Mike has advanced certifications in EMDR, clinical hypnosis, and he's also a leading expert in the neurofeedback field. That's why he's here. <laughs> neurofeedback, for those of you who don't know, is a cutting edge treatment for many emotional and psychological difficulties that regular talk therapy and medication just don't have solutions for. Things like ADHD, bipolar, anxiety, depression, PTSD, addiction, and much more. Finally, Mike has spent over 25 years supervising and mentoring other clinicians like myself. So everyone, give Mike a big heal to her. Welcome, Mike. Good to see you as always. I love you. It's great and, to see uh, you, and I love you also. I love how I'm getting you out in front of this camera more and more. I'm uh, I'm becoming a good salesperson, I guess. After <laughs> all, <laughs> well, that's what it takes. You know me. I hide in the cave, and <laughs> I, well, I really am very grateful for how you have uh, provided this forum for me. So, well, uh, neurofeedback has played a big part in both of our lives and maybe at the end we'll talk about our life experience and why you know how it's helped me so much and why you're now a leading expert in the field our yeah, well, past, I, would, I would not put me in that category okay. I, I, I think I know enough about it but I um, there are leading experts in the field and I'm, I don't hold a candle to them so well as always you're very humble um, I'd expect nothing less from you. And, uh, but I really want to just like really get into questions because people aren't aware of this. And whenever information is new or a treatment is something people haven't heard of, even though neurofeedback has been around for decades and it's one of the most highly researched and studied processes, very few people know about it. And, and right. our, our natural inclination is go, oh, I don't know about this. It's not one of these things I've heard about. And so I want to jump into, you know, calming people down and giving them concrete information that can help them so they can see how effective this is. And so the first question I have for you is, it's kind of two questions in one. What conditions does this help or cure? And kind of the second, like part B of this question is, would you say there are five, can you boil it down to maybe five typical conditions that most people like this just flat out cures it you know something along those lines of so people can identify wow i struggle with that so this is a viable option for me what would how would you answer that question mike well um first of all we don't use the word cure <laughs> in our field so um but i, I think historically i mean neurofeedback uh began by treating seizure disorders, epileptic seizure disorders. And, um, and, and that's what my mentor, Dr. Lubar did with children that had epilepsy. And uh, then it went to learning disorders uh, like ADHD, dyslexia, um, and other types of uh, 
learning disorders. Um, I haven't treated a lot, but I have treated successfully uh, uh, individuals that had uh, uh, auditory sequencing issues where they heard, they didn't hear like you and I hear, they, they heard delayed. Um, and uh, we were able to get that um, fixed, if you will. Um, well, let me, let me switch the ca- question to this. In the ten, ten, you've been doing this for 10 years now, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say are the top five conditions you've had the most success with? Um, depression and anxiety disorders okay. and learning disorders. Um, ADD, ADHD. ADHD. Yeah, I, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of misdiagnosis of that. You know, one of the things, this this has been a known for decades that ADHD is the most overly diagnosed diagnosis. Yes. But oftentimes, I mean, one of the differences with working with EEG as a diagnostic tool versus uh, just a symptom checklist, which is what the DSM is, is that we have actual, uh, they're called phenotypes, but we have actual things in the EEG we see. And, and so, for example, ADHD is a result of slowing in the frontal lobes or in the midline. And there are other types of ADHD, but that's the pr- predominant one. And, um, and that's the one that uh, some medications work fairly well. There, there's another uh, phenotype where there's beta spindles in the vertex right in this area here. Um, but um, and you, I know you guys don't know what beta spindles are, so I apologize. But it's just, an, it's it's just that with EEG, we can see a literal pattern, and for depression, for anxiety, for ADHD, for dyslexia, you know, um, and and they're not based. You know, we can see it in in such a way that we can go, oh, that's what that is. Whereas with a symptom checklist, what we have is is many conditions meeting the same criteria, you know. And go ahead. I, that's that's what I want to see if I can. And you correct me if I. I'm going to try and simplify this for people. If I say it incorrectly, correct my simplification. Okay. What Mike is what I hear Mike describing is when you go into a doctor. And you tell them, I'm feeling and experiencing these things, this list of symptoms. What they're listening is, oh, well, those symptoms and and what will be colored by their assessment is their own predisposition for their own bias. So they're listening. They may go, oh, well, that's bipolar or that's borderline personality or narcissism or that's ADD, ADHD, but they're just cataloging symptoms and going, well, I'm hearing five out of 10 things. So let's put you on this medication. So they're basically making, in many cases, a guess based on your description of what your life experience is. Now, what Mike is talking about when he says EEG, because I don't know that a lot of people know what that means, is that is a quantitative and qualitative assessment of what's actually happening in your brain. Now, you may be saying this is what's happening, but this is a picture that shows this is exactly what's happening. So regardless of what symptoms you say you're experiencing, Mike can look at your brain and go, oh, your brain is interacting in this way. And we know through decades of research and experience that if it's acting and interacting in this way, this is what the problem is, and therefore, this is the solution. That's the problem with medication. You're throwing darts at a dartboard, and you're hoping it hits, and the problem is, even with medication, there's collateral damage. Just like a dartboard, you're going to get all these other things turned on. Well, that doesn't happen with EEG and, and neurofeedback. When you hit the dartboard, you hit the spot. And, right. and that's what's so profound about it is it treats the symptom you're experiencing and you don't like to use the word heal or cure. It has been my life experience that I have been healed or cured of aspects 
that I've struggled with. So right. I'll, I'll correct and, that. And us, is that a good I, simplification? Yeah, it's a good simplification. It's a little bit of an overstatement. You know, the, okay. the, I mean, I'm just trying to be uh, careful for, um, you know, the possibility that there are experts out there that, that are going to go, well, that, that, you know. Sure. But, no, that's fair. And I, I appreciate that. But for, for example, you know, one of my mentors is a guy named Jay Gunkman. And for the last 60 years, he's been an advisor to neurologists and psychiatrists in pointing out different conditions that uh, from the EEG, EEG stands for electroencephalogram, uh, electroencephalogram. And what we're doing is we're putting a cap on your head and we're measuring the brain waves as they are produced. Uh, again, I'm, uh, the, the electrical activity of your brain. And, and he, he's an advisor and consultant to, to uh, other medical professionals on what medications may help, what won't work, what conditions they won't work on. And, and some of those are the same kinds of conditions. Uh, a better example might be um, OCD. Um, there is the theta type, which is a slower wave type, and medication helps that. There is the alpha type. Medication helps. It doesn't help it, but it doesn't make it worse. And then there's the beta type, which is a faster wave. And it not only doesn't help, but it makes things worse. And so he can see that. He can tell the psychiatrist, you know, don't use this type of medication. That's just going to make it worse and, and make them worse. You can maybe use this type of a medication, and that will help that type of, of uh, OCD. So what I hear in that is it, it can also help if you are a person who does require medication for whatever reason, you can pinpoint and get on medication that will be the most effective if you use them right. in concert. It, it will help that. Okay, let me let me move to the next th I, question. I know that people will have is in general, and, and there's always variance. But if you were to throw a guesstimate as to what people could expect as an average treatment, what how long of a duration would that be? Well, there's there's different forms of uh, neurofeedback treatment and. Uh, the traditional neurofeedback treatment normally is 60 to 90 sessions, and typically that's twice a week. And If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't know how many weeks or months that is, but ours is uh, uh, a different type, and it's faster, and it's it's much more involved in, in terms of what we're doing in the brain. So, um, and it's a typical treatment is more like 50 uh, sorry, 15 uh, weeks to 20 weeks. Okay. 15 so, to 20 weeks, twice a week. In, twice on a week. average, people, just for people to know, um, most clinicians, and Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, will charge about $100 per session, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the and there might, And then there will be an the the queue the the when you get a, what's called a queue which is where they do the assessment of where your brain is and like Mike does he does it periodically through your treatment to go okay what's how are you improving let's take a new snapshot that can tend there can be a you know a bigger cost for that because the diagnostic and looking at all of that takes quite a bit of work for them to you know and, and that can probably range from what three to five hundred dollars. For the the queue, actually, that can range from five to fifteen hundred dollars. It depends. Okay. Um, you know, the type of queue that <laughs> is a lot more involved um, than what most people would get, um, okay. and um, and we we throw that in. You know, if you train with us, and, and we call it neurofeedback training, not treatment, but training. We're training the brain. We're not treating the brain. Um, but we, we, uh, on average, uh, 
reassess that Q it's called a QEG or a Q, like you said, in, in, in our world, we just call it a Q, but it, it's, it means quantitative EEG. And what we're doing is besides assessing the raw waves of, of the EEG and looking for transients, which are things that happen not all the time, but show up, um, uh, every now and then, as well as looking for uh, epileptiform type things, we also will take the overall um, EEG results and we'll compare it to a normative database. And that's what makes it quantitative. And, and there's different forms of that database um, and different, um, different databases do different things. The one we use is uh, called, uh, it's the Annie database and, and it, and we use the software. My, one of the software can, is, can I skip that? Yep. Because they don't care. <laughs> well, here, I know you do. I know yeah, you, here, I, here's why I care about it because you can pay $1,500 for something that, that, that takes me 15 minutes to assess. I get and, or you can, or or you can come to me, and and if you're just going to get that assessment, I have people who just come in for assessment. You're going to pay 500 bucks from me, but but we're going to thoroughly look and evaluate your EEG. And then, then here, let me do it this way. I'm going to might and, not get that. And I, some and, people don't even do it. But let me do it this way. Let me turn it into a question at the back end to go, what questions do they need to ask so that yeah. they know what they're paying for and what they're getting? Because yeah. somebody walking in this with no experience, they just cloud and go, I don't know what he's talking about. And they yeah. don't know the importance of it. And so in my experience in doing these videos, <laughs> and I love what you're talking about, but most people are like, oh, I don't want to, they just tune out. And so yeah. it's like, it's got to be boom, boom, boom. I'm with you to keep them engaged, but then we'll get to it at the back end. Well, so I'm hoping that's why you have that edit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may leave it in. I just, but I just know that people will glaze over in, in, until yeah, they. And I, and I know I tend to get technical with it. it. It's important to me. That part is important to me, and you can bring it up at the end. But it's important to me because you know these people don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> And so you go in to pay, you know, you, you're getting charged $1,500 and it looks flashy, but it doesn't really tell you much. And um, so that goes, I mean, that goes to that question, I think that we'll address at the end. So you and I are the same way. It's what it's part of my problem is I, I we're diverting. We're, we're on the same wavelength. Um, here's a big question to people is, when it comes to training or treatments, is this a treatment or training that they have to repeat, like kind of like chiropractic? You have to keep going back. What's been right. your experience when you've worked with a, a client on these conditions? Is it they have to come back in a year, or two years, three years, or are they finished? Is it just like, oh, no, the brain's reoriented? And unless there's some sort of traumatic event, they don't right. need to come back. What's your experience on that? And do they need to keep coming or is it done? Right. Well, I can answer it this way. This will make some sense. In 10 years, I've had two people come back for the same condition. Yeah, that's, it sticks. It sticks because we are, that's why we call it training. Once, once the brain learns, it learns. And, and so it, again, it's not like a treatment, like what you described is a treatment. You come in and and, and you get an adjustment at a chiropractor, but you, you need to come back and do that. It doesn't necessarily correct the condition. Uh, with neurofeedback, uh, very typically, people don't come back. And they have studies, you know, uh, longitudinal studies from two months to six months to five years to 20 years. And um, the vast majority of people, um, whatever they came in, let's say they came in uh, for depression, you know, they test them five years later, they still, they're off medication, they're still depression free. What, I'm going to go back to this, it's a kind of a different way of asking the same question, but what standard therapies have you found this replaces or is, this is more effective than the standard treatments that are out there? 
Hmm. Now that's a question I've never been asked. Um, I'd have to think about that. Okay. Well, we can come back to that. Let your mind gestate on it and see what, because I, I know well, how you operate. Uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's throw this out. You know, somebody comes in with an anxiety disorder. Typically they've been put on uh, medication for anxiety. And a lot of times they, they're put on medication for anxiety, like a benzodiazepine, which is like Xanax or Ativan. And initially that really helps them calm down. But over the, you know, it's, it's if you read the, the black notes of the medication, they say, you know, don't use it longer than this period, which is typically, you know, six weeks to six months. After that, it actually increases anxiety down the road. That's and, the problem with all of those medications is yeah. they make you sicker than when you walked in the door, but the yeah. doctor doesn't tell you that. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, you know, be down on medication. I'm just saying most medications are meant for crisis intervention, and and although they're prescribed as if they're useful for chronic conditions, and so I, it's not unusual for me to see for example, with depression, that somebody comes in, they've been on medication for 20 years. Yeah. And, um, and then we do neurofeedback and help them get off uh, that medication. And then they don't need that medication anymore because they're not depressed anymore. Yeah. And um, so it would be that kind of thing where, um, you know, cert certain conditions like uh, anxiety and depression, uh, you know, medication is, you know, the first level of, of treatment and, uh, with neurofeedback, when we, when we train the brain to normalize in those, uh, area, the areas that, that create depression and anxiety, then that individual learns to self-regulate and they don't need the medication to help them do that. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they do, especially in the beginning, depends on what's, what's going on, the crisis there. And for those of you watching, just hang in there because we're going to, I'm going to have Mike talk about stories um, because I know that a lot of people really gravitate towards, wow, that's, that's what I'm struggling with. So we're going to get to some of the stories he's experienced and how this has changed people's lives. Also, I'll share my story and, and how it's affected me. Um, and so stick with us so because I know for people to identify, they need stories. So um, we're just about through kind of the technical aspects of how all this works. And we'll get to the more emotional aspects, which is what we connect with. So I appreciate everyone's patience as you watch this. Uh, is it safe? What are the studies around just safety, not how many decades it's been studied, but is this treatment safe? Have, are there any studies showing that it's unsafe? Um, I don't know about studies. I mean, there's been literally hundreds of thousands of studies. I mean, this is a six, 60 year uh, industry. And, um, and, but what I'm after is like, I don't know myself. I don't personally know of any study saying that neurofeedback is, is unsafe. Um, and as I've stated before, I'm trying to be accurate, and I tend to overdo this, but um, the type of neurofeedback we do, we don't see any side effects. And I, I know that there is a possibility of having side effects. Usually, they're very temporary um, and, and correctable uh, with traditional neurofeedback. But um, in fact, there's a, a, a paper um, doggone I can't think of the guy's name right now that where he talks about that but he's he's at uh, University of uh, Utah Medical School and I'm blanking on his name and not any of my professionals are going are sitting there going it's it's so and so so and so and, and, um, and, and I know him personally I just can't think of him right now but um, anyway you need, you need a little neurofeedback on that I'm, I'm working on that myself yes um, problem with age um, but that is one of the things that 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 really uh, quantitatively and qualitatively differentiates neurofeedback from other types of treatment is that you don't have any kind of adjustment period. You don't have any kind of side effect from it. It's it's typically side effect free, and um, and the only reason that it that that you would possibly have a, a side effect is you have a clinician that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, 
And I, I've had side effects and it's exhaustion. Yeah. Because um, you're training. Yeah. You're training. I mean, like that's what people don't really, it's like, it's right. like going to the gym for, a, you know, and so you get, your brain gets tired. Right. And yeah, I mean, that, that isn't what I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of side effects. No, no, uh, I was thinking with certain medications, was you can have, you know, lots of side effects and, you know, mood alteration and things like that. And um, yeah, neurofeedback, you know, what I, I've started the type of uh, neurofeedback we do. I, I've done all of them. Um, and uh, ours is more intensive. And, you know, for the first Oh gosh, 10 seconds, uh, 10 sessions that I did, I'd, I'd go home afterwards and I'd take a nap because I would be tired, you know, and, and you're, you're exactly right. It is, it can be exhausting, just like working out in the gym can be exhausting. Sure. Um, let's, you know. let's get to the workout, the okay. basic process without deep detail of all the intricacies, but the basic process, like you know, how I describe it is, you know, I got the cue, which is the assessment. Mm -hmm. And from there, it was twice weekly visits where I'd go in. Now, I know your process is a little bit different, but I was struggling with my memory. I was struggling with my speech. Like you can, two things, losing words, kind of like, <laughs> you know, you'll see me in my videos. I'm like, oh, what's it called? Or like originally I would slur. It was like I was drunk. You watch a lot of my older videos and I slur all the time. You also notice my sentence, the way I'd write and even speak. I would put the back end of the sentence first. Mm -hmm. And so especially whenever I'd write, I'd write something out or text messages and I'd go, oh gosh, like my sentences didn't make sense. My sequencing was off. And so mm -hmm. twice weekly, I'd go in and we put electrodes on certain spots and I'd just sit in front of a TV and watch TV. Now, some of it was for a little bit, it was nature, but then I started watching Boston Legal because the way my brain worked the best, some people it's different. They, they need to focus on trying to get the screen because the idea is this, you, at least in the training I've done, when your brain is training correctly, you see the full picture and, he, and this full sound. When it's doing it incorrectly, the screen starts to shrink and the sound starts to go down. Mm -hmm. Well, the more I tried to do that, the more it would all collapse. If I didn't pay attention at all, everything was great. So I just, we, I'd watch Boston Legal because it'd make me laugh and I wouldn't pay attention. And I, that's how my brain trained the best. But that was my basic process. Can you kind of walk them through you know, what does training look like? Okay. Well, what you described is what 90% of what we do is, you know, they're watching a TV program and in order for them to see uh, that picture completely big and wide uh, and clear and to hear it clearly, they have to be doing the protocol that we've created for the, for their brain. Um, now the concept is, um, is is really very simple and it came back out of uh, uh biofeedback and, and that is you know you're getting feedback from some source and originally it was like you know you would hear a beep if you're in the zone you'd hear a beep or you would see a graph and that graph might go up and if you're out of the zone it would drop back down and and you wouldn't hear a beep, and then you'd go back up, and 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 that became more and more consistent as you as your brain learned. Okay, just just that beep, and 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 you know they then they started introducing different types of media and games, things like that. Like you know the spaceship might take off and fly. You know when you're in that zone. Now ours is a lot more complicated than that uh, in terms of what's actually going on. It's not just one wavelength or or, or something like that. Um, but it's it's still the same basic uh, principle of of learning. Um, uh, it's called operant conditioning. That's the technical term. And basically, you're getting rewarded 
for you performing the right thing. And we use operant conditioning in all kinds of things, you know, any kind of athletics and, you know, winning is operant conditioning. And, and so with this, it's just like what you said, um, you know, most people, um, are looking at some kind of multimedia, audiovisual media now. And, um, but you know, there, you get good results with any kind of, of, of media that you're using. Um, as long as the clinician is good and we'll get to that. Like yeah. I want, don't let me forget. <laughs> I mean, my memory, I'm, I need, I, I still need a couple more sessions. I didn't quite finish on the memory part. Um, we, we bounced around with different parts I needed help with. And I, I still need to go back a couple more times for the memory aspect. But I, I want to end with what are the questions a person needs to ask so that they know they have a qualified clinician? Because that was my struggle. I, I couldn't find a qualified clinician. Right. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I want to kind of, the three things I want to do is tell us some stories of okay. not the full story, but two to four sort of quick stories of people walked in with this and now they're this. And then I want to talk about our story, why this has meant so much. And then I want to end with, here are the key questions to ask a clinician so you know you're dealing with somebody qualified. So why don't you start with the stories? Um, well, I, I, you know, there, there are several that just come to mind, you know, like 30 of them come to mind, but, um, you know, one condition as a, you know, a clinician, you know, a, a LPC counselor that I treated or didn't really treat, I didn't, I couldn't treat was bipolar and I've treated seven cases of bipolar, uh, and I have, I feel like, not feel like, I have seen of those seven, five of those uh, individuals no longer experience it. And so, so I'll give you one example of a guy who came in. He came in from a mental hospital. He was averaging three psychotic episodes a week. And uh, after uh, about three weeks of treatment with us, he quit having psychotic breaks. Um, and he never had them again. And that's, those are the stories that, cause people will relate, God, that's what I need. That's what I want. Yeah. That, and, 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 and he still, that was three years ago and he still hasn't, he's back to work, but, but all five of those people. Now, one of those has continued. And he, he even asked, he said, would you consider me a success story? And I said, yes. Um, would you? And he said, well, you know, I, I, I'm still on medication and which is really, I'm, I'm not pro that uh, because he now has um, side effects from the medication where he's having memory issues. Um, but, you know, I, you know, he's my boss. I'm not his boss. And he gets to tell me how he wants to do his treatment, but he was one, you know, he was one of those guys too. He came right from the hospital. He was on medication the previous year, uh, more medication than, than he is now. And he still was having psychotic episodes. He even got arrested uh, for, for a manic episode where he started throwing rocks through uh, people's windows. <laughs> and, and he'd lost his job. You know, he, he was a very successful guy before that in, in the accounting uh, profession. And, He's now been back to work for the last three years. He hasn't had any more episodes. He's never gone back. You know, he's not regressed at all. He's one of the two that can't, has come back to me because he does have some memory issues now. And that's really uh, a side effect of the medication. Okay. So that's one. Um, the audio sequencing story is really uh, sweet. And because it's a nine-year-old girl who we just loved and, and thought was precious. And she came in. Uh, she had been diagnosed with ADHD and uh, ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. And uh, during her cue, we evaluated her cue, and um, and she didn't have either of those conditions according to her EEG. And but she did have a problem with auditory sequencing, and so she heard delayed and. You know, she she she, you know, she was a real, um, uh, well, 
just a spitfire. You know, spitfire little girl, a lot of energy. She she sure did try really hard. She sat on the front row and she was trying to pay attention, but she wouldn't hear in real time. And so she'd get called on and she wouldn't know she was called on. And then she'd hear it and then she'd answer. And her teacher thought she wasn't paying attention because she's answering in a delayed way. And then she would get frustrated. That that was her, her story. And so we started doing neural feedback and, and, and helping, you know, she, she was anxious also. So we helped her with anxiety and that auditory sequencing issue. And then her dad calls me and says, guess what? And I said, what? And she said, you know, our little sweet girl uh, just read, nine years old, just read a 400-page adult book in two days. And I said to him, would you call that focus and concentration? I I sure would. And, you know, we treated her in the summer. So she, you know, she and that other teacher didn't have that good a relationship. She had a new teacher um, who saw her potential and saw how hard she tried. And and she didn't have the the struggle. Okay. And, um, And so she's a rock star at school now. And so she went from being the problem kid to the rock star. And, you know, I love that kind of story. Um, I had another guy who was 17 when he came to see us and came in. He had a head injury. Um, and that's another thing that we see a lot of people with concussions uh, that are misdiagnosed. And, um, and uh, he had a tick disorder. He, he, he had a really bad concussion when he was 10. He hit, hit the front of his head and, and that created a tick disorder. Uh, but it also created some problems with his vision. And so just before coming in to see us, he was, um, he'd taken the ACT and he'd scored a, a 17, uh, which is not good. You get 15 for signing your name. And I, I really don't know that. I've heard that all my sure. life. <laughs> but 17 is not, you know, you're not going to be a Rhodes Scholar with 17. What's it say that I got a six? <laughs> So uh, I, I was, do I was too smart for the task either. So, so you know, I don't even know what I got. Side. So, so, but he had facial tics. He's a really handsome young man, very astute musician, uh, but wasn't very good in school. And so we, we basically got rid of the tics and, and I, but I had noticed this activity in, in the, uh, visual cortex, as well as I just noticed in the parietal lobes, where we assimilate and integrate information and comprehend it and put it together and use it, um, that he had issues there. And so I, I said to his dad, I said, this is what I see. Do you want to work on that? And he said, well, sure. And so we worked about six weeks on that. And um, and then he retook the ACT and he scored a 27. Wow. And his, he was seeing double. So we got him some help with a, a, a ophthalmologist or optometrist that we work with uh, who understands our work too. And, uh, and so all this time, you know, he had been in class, you know, he was reading and, and he was seeing double and, and we got some of that corrected with his glasses. And then we did, we corrected the rest of it with neural feedback. And, um, and he scored 27, he went to college for free. His dad loves me. <laughs> Um, and he just graduated and he said school's the easiest thing he ever done. He's ever done since then. And straight A student. Um, want more? Nope. That's That's a pretty good. I know we could go I, on I and similar, on. I have similar stories with PTSD. I have similar stories with, uh, anxiety disorders. I, you know, I, I, this is one of the things I love about my job is I see miracles all the time. And every time I go, wow, because most of these conditions are things that I treated for years and, and we would get them substantially better, but not like this. Great, great segue. (laughs) So let's talk about us and and how this became your career because you just said it you and i spent years together working together healing you know all the trauma i've had in my life and i can attest that i'd gotten a lot better i i'm i matured and and i had 
I could put into place skills and tools and I was starting to be able to manage my life, but there were aspects of it I just couldn't get to. And I remember the frustration that I couldn't get to it. I, I knew what I, could, I was capable of, but I couldn't get to it. And I'll let you take it from there as I walked into your office and and well, let me let me say it a little. Let me just add something. Um, I had run into somebody who had talked about neurofeedback. I didn't know anything about it. And I've tried, I've been a pincushion. I'll try any therapy. I just want to get better. I don't give a what it is. I've done it all. Uh, there are names of things I don't even remember because I've just been trying for decades to go, I want help. And I, someone suggested, I just went, sure. And that's what happened. I met somebody who mentioned neurofeedback. I had gone in for, I think, one session, and I was in the midst of some really horrific traumatic stuff in my second marriage, and I walked into the office one day, and I remember Mike looking at me the way he's going to explain it, and I was like, what's he talking about? So I'll let you take it from there. Well, and and I don't want, you know, we've written a little bit, they can read the blogs about some of this uh, in more detail, but... The thing that was, um, it was striking. There was such a difference in you. And what was different was how appropriate and moderate you were. And this is no easy situation in life we're talking about. This is the kind of thing where literally, you, you never did this, but I've had clients do that, but I expect you to be so mad and so out of control and picking up the chair and just throwing it across the room, you know, because this is, this was a big deal. Okay. And, um, and yet you were appropriately hurt, appropriately angry, not overly angry. You weren't being a victim and, and, and you were expressing yourself uh, with a degree of, well, I, I'll just call it, you were expressing yourself appropriately. You know, it, it, everything you did was was fitting. You know, you weren't going to, uh, I mean, some of it in terms of pain, you know, deserved a 10. And, and you might have hurt that deeply, but even in your expression of that, you were recognizing what it was and you weren't in denial about it. And, and you weren't, um, uh, it, you, you know, you weren't, blowing it off at all the, the, when i i know that now i'm familiar with that place and for me sorry the, i'm got a dry throat no the the experience for me is that i am present to every aspect of what i'm going through right. where i can ball my eyes out without blaming somebody mm -hmm. else without playing the victim, going, poor me. I can experience the sadness and go, this is really sad. Yeah, there was so none sad. of that. She, 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 you know, there was yeah, none of that. None, none of that, but also none of, oh, there's nothing, like, no catastrophizing. Right. I was, was just living life. And this is part of life. It just freaking sucks. And it's okay. And I'm angry that it sucks, but, but it's okay that it sucks. Like <laughs> it's the full embodiment of every emotion and being able to express it with contained even if it's big it's a contained big it's not yeah that, that's right you know which to me that's health is when i can get big within containment without false empowerment or disempowerment like i wouldn't right. go to those where i was better than or less than i was just hurt or just angry but not so many times with my anger or my sadness it's false empowered or disempowered that's when i get less than perfect in the expression of myself and i catch myself in my videos being that way right. and, but when i'm regulated i'm at the full expression of those but without sucking you into it it's just right. you're experiencing all of kenny and that's what i hear you describing and i wasn't aware of it because it was a new experience right. so I'm going, what's he talking about so so the situation was dramatic, but you weren't dramatizing it. And, yeah, there you go. And, and so, you know, we, we talked probably 30 minutes or so, um, maybe even longer. And finally, I just said, 
what happened? <laughs> and you went, what? <laughs> I said, what happened to you? And so you told the story that you had met uh, this, this young lady at, at the golf course. And you know that I knew where you played. And I, I said, was her name such and such? And you said, yes. And I think you thought, what happened to you? Are you a psychic? <laughs> I knew you were just... good in therapy. I didn't know you were good. I was like, wow, that's. So, so um, it just so happened that uh, one of my college roommates and my graduate school uh, friends uh, had a daughter who, when she was 15, was diagnosed bipolar and she had a psychotic break. And I knew just kind of in the back of my mind, I didn't know the details of the story, but I knew she had been uh, sent to uh, a place where she did neurofeedback and she came back. And so I, after our session, I called her dad, who's a good friend of mine. And I said, hey, how's your daughter doing? And he said, she's great. And, and I, I, you know, I've known that guy since I was a teenager. And I knew his brother, who was really, really, you know, the... Um, I'm going to say it like this, but uh, he was pretty crazy when he was in a manic episode. And, you know, and so I knew it was in their family. And, and, and I said, well, has she, um, you know, had any other problems with that? And he said, no, she's never been on medication. In fact, she's getting ready to finish her graduate degree and she's going to do, uh, she's working at a neurofeedback clinic and she's going to do neurofeedback herself. And, um, and so I said, well, who treated her? And it turned out that another one of our college roommates um, was doing that in that location. And, um, and so I called him. And, and so, and long story short, I ended up back with uh, uh, Dr. Von Tate. I'll, I'll name her. Uh, she's a, a very well-known clinician. That's who I initially. Right, that's who you've seen. And, and I went up and met with her and I did a neurofeedback session and, and she got me started. And, uh, and then she introduced me to Dr. Steve Stockdale, who's in our towns, uh, uh, Colorado Springs and Dr. Stockdale entered it, knew that I was interested in, in, uh, more than traditional neurofeedback. And, and he connected me with Dr. Lubar, uh, Joel Lubar and, who's now in Florida, but was at University of Tennessee in Knoxville for years. And the basic, the, the pioneers of the, yeah, of the yeah. modality. Yeah, Steve was. Yeah, Dr. Lubar certainly was. I mean, he, he was like the uh, second person to do, he was the first person to really do it on the private, uh, private population, so. So b before we get into our last question, I, I, this is what I want to get across to people. It's been my experience that we're all scared to death to face our pain and our perfect imperfections. It's petrifying. And the sense of shame and low worth and everything that comes up. But this is the value. Um, making me emotional. Um, we never know but I've always said this, the answer is inside of our pain. And, and this story is proof of it. Mike's calling has always been to help people find their calling. And so Mike's a very deeply spiritual man. And so he's always prayed for the best way to do that. And I was always looking for my calling and couldn't find it no matter what I did. But I knew I was broken and I knew I needed help. And I knew, luckily, I've always been driven to try and find out what that solution might be. And so because of the confluence of those two things, both of us get to live in our element and what we were meant to do. And that's why I get so... <laughs> inappropriately excited in my videos and sometimes falsely empowered of demanding people get help for this stuff. I'm not always, I, I'm not always contained 
in my exuberance and I, I can get a little bit over the top. But when things have such a deep impact on not only, you know, look at what this one story and then the stories Mike has told, like how deep that impact and the ripple effect of that goes. And, and that's why I get so excited about it. And because we were placed in each other's lives for something much bigger than our lives. And whether you're spiritual or not, you don't have to be spiritual. That's how life works when you pursue facing the things we don't want to face. It just happens. You can't stop it. And that's the beauty of life, at least in my experience. So I, I, I'm a firm believer that's our goal in life for all of us to have that life experience. So Mike, could you finish this off with what are the key ingredients people need to look for when they're interviewing potential clinicians to help them with this? Is there a list of three, five, 10 things that they should go? Like I, you know, I tell people, you know, they'll reach out to me and I'm like, if that therapist doesn't know about P melody, you know, like there's a list of, if they, if you ask them, do you know about P melody? And they say, no, then hang up. Like they, they can't help you. That's very grandiose, but that's my belief. So I have a list of certain things that I say, look, you need to look for this in a therapist or coach or somebody. If they don't have it, move on. What would you say would be on your list as far as neurofeedback, um, clinicians so that people all across the world know exactly who to look for and they get the right type of treatment? I think uh, the first thing is that they're a licensed clinician. And um, is there a certain name of license they need to have? Well, they're either an LPC, a psychologist, an MD, a physician's assistant, a chiropractor, you know, they have some type of clinical background because um, not not for the everyday occurrence, but for the occurrence where you have someone um, that that ha- you know that they get triggered. I'll give you an example. I was thinking of this when you were saying that. You know, I had a guy who was a a war veteran, and and he was so easily triggered that like we could not. We have to run acquire EG, which um, takes about twenty minutes, and and. You know, somebody come in. He'd hear him walking in the outside of the office, and he just, you know, he would he would just alert, you know, and 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 so in order to acquire that EEG, we we had to come after hours. Nobody else is there, and and do that uh, and and do it because he was just too hyper vigilant for that. Well, I've spent. 42 years treating trauma and I know how to handle somebody who gets triggered and, and how to talk them back down and, and, and get them back into, you know, uh, the here and now world. Uh, and, and that's really important. I think, um, in fact, I think it's malpractice to have someone who doesn't really understand, uh, uh, the, the conditions that people are coming in with and, 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 and know how to treat that. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that neurofeedback gives you abilities to do things. It doesn't give you the skills to do those things. That's what, you know, it does not replace counseling and it doesn't replace uh, other types of therapy, but it does give you the ability. Like, you know, we gave that guy the ability. The reason he came in to see us is that his son walked in in the middle of the night, walked into his room, and he he went into alert and you know was ready to to plow his son. And he didn't. He loves his son, but he couldn't differentiate whether that was his son or not, and what whether he was in his home now from being in war. And and in war, he needed to be in fight or flight or to, to survive. Uh, but he doesn't need to be in fight or flight unless there's really a, something truly alarming, you know, a burglar. Not so they need to be a licensed clinician. They need to what be else? a licensed clinician. They they need to have some experience with the types of things that you're uh, going to them for. Second thing is um, certification. And, and there's, 
two major ones that I know of in the neurofeedback field. And I, I don't have one of the certifications. Um, that is called the BCI certification. It's, it's the basic uh, certification for neurofeedback. Um, I don't because they required an anatomy and physiology class. And, I, you know, when I started, I was 59 years old, and I'm not going back to college for anatomy and physiology. I took uh, neuroanatomy at Duke University Medical School, but uh, which I, you know, I didn't know I was going to be doing that when I started this, but, but I did. But I had so much more of the qualifications than what BCIA, uh, you know, what their basic uh, requirements are for that certification. The other one is what I have, which is called a QEEG-D or Diplomat. Um, now that to me uh, was was very hard to get. They require a whole lot from you uh, as a clinician. You have to understand more than a basic understanding of uh, all the dynamics from you know acquiring EEG, um, artifacting EEG. Uh, what are the different things that can come to play? Uh, a real broad, uh, and I don't mean in 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 like. Breadth and depth. In depth, right. Uh, real in-depth understanding of certain conditions and what neurofeedback will do with that. And, um, you know, I, I got that certification and then I was asked to be on their board and I am on their board and I'm uh, an executive member of their board now. But, um, and, and without a doubt, the names in this field have that certification. Um, and, and some of those people are not necessarily clinicians. Um, some of them are t some of the top researchers in the world on the brain and, uh, and the brain in relation to neurofeedback. But if they have that, that means they've really had training. They've had lots and lots of hours of mentoring. They've, they have uh, hours in, in ethical uses of neurofeedback, things of that nature. Um, so, what else so, would you suggest? Um, I'm just blanking now. Um, those are the two most important things, I think. Okay. And then it comes to, you know, you know, like they're, they're neuro. Is there a certain system? I know there are many, uh, like, there are a lot of things out there that call themselves neurofeedback that aren't really neurofeedback. Oh, oh, I'm glad you said that. QEG, make sure they do a QEG. There's only one clinician in the country that I know of that doesn't regularly do QEGs, and she is so overly qualified she, um, that her name is um, Saverne Fisher. Uh, she's so overly qualified as a clinician that, that and, and her system of neurofeedback is pretty unique to her and, uh, you know, maybe the people that... Uh, she works around like uh, Dr. B uh, Bezel Vinico, who is probably the pre most preeminent guy in, in the PTSD industry. Um, but but there are systems out there that are canned systems, you know, and that person doesn't have to know anything. I have a really good friend who lives in in middle of nowhere in Oklahoma that does that system, and it it does work on about fifty percent of the people, but it's not based on uh, science, it's based on uh, that um, neurofeedback works for most people. Okay. And to uh, not most people, about 50% of people without, you know, just, just using can, you know, you say you have depression. Well, there's six types of depression. Now, they, they give you a canned protocol. And if you have that right, right type, uh, you know, I, I know this because I've had people come in after they've done that and they said, I got no results. And they came in to see us and they got results. Um, so, and part of that is based on that, that we do a QEEG on, on those people and we assess them. Um, and, you know, I know, um, I know a lot of professionals in, in, in this industry and some do more than we do. And they're trained as neuropsychologists and they do all this testing too. None of that's going to hurt, but what could possibly not be helpful is is getting someone who is doing a canned program and uh, they don't really have uh, 
a clinical background or a true understanding. Like that person that I've that, that I'm talking about, every time we talk about neurofeedback, she says, Now don't 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 start telling me ask me about this and this and this. You know I don't know. And you know, in her situation, I I I personally don't like it, but um it's out there and they they are very well marketed. So look for somebody that is a clinician, look for somebody that has certification, look for somebody that's going to do QEG. Perfect. Awesome. If they don't, run. That's what I was looking for. Awesome. Mike, can you give everyone your uh, contact information for any of you in the Denver metropolitan Colorado Springs area? That's where Mike is located is um, kind of the, more north end of Colorado Springs. I used to, I mean, for those of you in Denver, oh, it's too far. Well, I lived in Denver and I went to see Mike twice a week. That's how I turned my life around. So don't don't give me this. It's too far. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to turn your life around, you'll drive that hour and a half. And it's probably less now. I think they've finally done some highway work or maybe, anyway. The point is this, please give them your contact information, your website, your phone number, if you're willing to give that out. Um, and how they can get in touch with you if they have questions about neurofeedback or would like to um, book a session with you. Okay. Um, well, our clinic is called uh, Heart Matters, and it's in North Colorado Springs, as you said. It's, we're right off the North Gate from Colorado Springs, which is on the North End. North Gate is the North Gate of the Air Force Academy. So we're across, we're east of uh, Air Force Academy. And do you want address? What's your um, website address? Is uh, theheartmatters.org. And your email? Your email? Mike at theheartmatters.org. That's T-H-E-H-E-A-R-T-M-A-T-T-E-R-S dot org. Um, And uh, my phone number is 719-257-3488. Awesome. Great. And um, there are some clinicians that, that I think are very well trained that do this remotely. So they uh, might can uh, send to people uh, a full really? thing. We don't do it um, at this time. Uh, we're, we're probably going to try it in the near future uh, so that we can uh, help some veterans uh down in the pueblo area guinea pig me if you i didn't know you could do it remote <laughs> i don't i don't you know that's an expensive enterprise this stuff is expensive to begin with and and for us um it costs us uh you know we've got to get professional equipment and software and uh that is not free by any means um, but I do know people that are doing that. There's two people that I can recommend uh, that might do that. Uh, and so if people call me and they're not in my area. Neurofeedback does in most places. Uh, you have to be there. Now, I do have people that come in from out of town. You know, they'll work for a week or two and then they go home. And that isn't the most optimal system. But um you know, Sometimes we, it's the best you can do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Better just like the type of neurofeedback that I do is is different than what you've been able to to get in your area. And yeah. and uh, the guy you're seeing is a super high qualified fella. Uh, he's on our board as well. And yes, uh, but but we do a, a different type of neurofeedback than most yeah. people. We do that too, but we we do mostly uh, a different form that's more involved and. <laughs> let me add that in for those of you in Arizona. uh, If you're looking for a clinician, go ahead and email me at kw at kennyweiss.net. That's kw at kennyweiss.net. Spelling of my last name is W-E-I-S-S. And I will put you in touch with Dr. Sherlin, who who helped me here. You know, uh, I've taken a break from him just because I get too tired, you know, but also I know how I work is just like therapy with you. I'm a slow processor because of my trauma history. That was one thing I learned from you is it takes me a while 
things gestate in me and, and I get a bit overwhelmed and I don't notice that I'm overwhelmed because I, I have learned I can sustain so much trauma that I just, I can take on a lot of things. And so even with learning, like even my work, I'll do a ton of it and then I don't do anything. And that's why I'm tan. I lay by the pool. It's just too much. And then while I lay down, all of it starts processing and all of the solutions start coming to me. So I work in kind of circles or, you know, cycles. I allow my brain time to process. And, and, you know, I've just come off of, you know, several months of working with him. My sequencing and everything is much better. I've needed some time away and I'll, I'll get back to there are a couple of things I want to work on, but, you know, I'm in a sense processing all of the work that, was done. That's just how I've learned. I have to go about my own recovery process and everyone is different. And that's what. Yeah, and, and, and let me, let me uh, look up a website real quick. Um, uh, the website is uh, QEEG certification board. That's all one word.org. And there you can uh, find a provider uh, and find a mentor. That's a great resource. And, and there's another one um, that is a little, you know, it's a little more basic. You know, most people have this certification and it's, it's uh, found at BCIA. Uh, the, yeah. There's the International Society of Neuroregulation and Research. That's ISNR.org. That would be another uh, resource. And you can also get at that location, um, not only clinicians, but you can get resources of papers and things of that nature that people can read about neurofeedback. And then there's um, BCIA, I think, .org. Let's just see. Yeah, BCIA.org. And um, again, that's uh, that's sort of the entry level um, but, you know, you know, all 90%, 95% of the people that practice that I think are doing it legitimately and ethically have their certification. Perfect. Um, so thank you very much. Yeah, it should. I, that, it's just a, it's a great resource. Neurofeedback is a great resource for people looking for healing. Um, right who are frustrated with medication or working with someone like me. It's like, yeah, some improvement, but I'm not getting there. Right. This could be the missing piece for them. Right. Um, and, you know, the reason I, uh, I said that is, you know, I know three or four clinicians and that, that are in your area uh, in Arizona and um, that, you know, most of them are on, on our board, the, uh, the QEG certification board. But um, so, we can help point people if we can't, if I can't see them or you can't see them. And I, and I say the same thing about counseling. And I, I'm so grateful for people who contacted me that live somewhere else uh, and want counseling from me. I just can't do that. I can't do remote counseling. I, first of all, I'm too busy. I, my, my, uh, my load is full. Um, but, but we can often refer you to, to somebody that can help you. In, in both of these things. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thank all of you for watching. Um, if you know somebody who's struggling with any of these things and you think this could help them, please share it. Leave us your comments. If you've tried neurofeedback and found success with it, please share your stories. And as I always say, enjoy the journey. <laughs>